own your own vision, joined Formstack back in 2009 after one of his friends who created it in 2006 started seeing some traction. He joined for a six-month kind of part-time role to find a new CEO, ended up never leaving. The company now has 16,000 customers paying on average 70, 80 bucks a month, so north of a million bucks per month in revenue, at 0% net revenue churn annually. So expansion equals obviously lost revenue, growing 30 to 40% year over year, only a million bucks raised. So I so love that, obviously. Great ratio there. A team of 115 people uh, based in many, many remote, remote locations from you know India all the way to the West Coast, all the way back into the, the Northeast as well. Super healthy economics as well, $1,000 CAC, 12-month payback period. Chris, we're rooting for you. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Chris Byers. He's the CEO of a company called Formstack, a versatile online form solution that streamlines processes for capturing and managing information. His mission is to empower business professionals through simple and elegant tools that remove complexity from everyday business processes. Formstack is committed to pursuing that via sustainable growth. He works with a leadership team to advance the community's initiatives, including its culture, code, and vision, which focus on relationships, results, and the community. Chris, are you ready to take us to the top? Absolutely. So I've always wondered a tool like you, right? When Google releases Google Forms, tools like you still grow and people still use them and people still, you know, don't churn and expansion revenue is there. How have you, kick us off and kind of tell us what you do and then tell us specifically how you've competed with kind of the Google Forms threat. Yeah. So I think the, uh, you know, if you go back to the early days, uh, back in 2006, it was, you, uh, excuse me, needed a developer to uh, build a web form and get it on your website. And so if you weren't a developer and you wanted to collect a lead, uh, we kind of made it easy to get that done. Roll forward a few years, that's kind of baked into every software that you've got, CRM, email, et cetera. And so it kind of transitioned to collect data and then get it into what is now one of 50 kind of native integrations. Because really, you want to get it into those backend systems that are really important to you to send an email or start your you know kind of relationship with the customer, process of payment, something like that. And as we've kind of gone forward, we've really started to think about and, and built out this kind of collaborative moment around data collection. So we are all living in these much more collaborative environments. And so you can imagine a time where you need multiple people to kind of input along a form uh, kind of to get the right data. And so imagine something as simple as a reimbursement form. You go travel somewhere, you need to fill that out. Uh, your manager needs to actually see that data uh, via they get it in an email or something, pull up the form, they see what you filled out. And then they say, oh, yeah, I, I need to add to that. I need to code it to this project and then it passes on to the AP department who says, okay, I paid this, paid it on this date. It notifies you. Realistically, that's just one big form, but you need to kind of assign parts to different people. And so if you think about what Google has done, they've served the audience really well of just basic data collection, get it into a Google sheet at the end of the day. And they do that cleanly. It's easy to use. It's free. Um, but it's with that use case. It's just, I need to, an, an internal use case often where you don't care about brand as much, you don't care about styling it as much. And so 
we, we definitely have, I'm sure we lose business to them, <clears throat> but we don't hear it much. Uh, because people are really starting to automate a process when they're thinking about form stack versus just quick data collection and quick form collection. So 2006, you said it was year one. Is that right? Yep, that's right. And then and then walk me through, kind of, I want to hear kind of where your head was at in 2006. But first, like when a customer signs up for form stack, on average, what are they paying per month, would you say? On average, 60, 70, 80 bucks a month. Okay. And is that per seat or that's kind of the logo, the brand is paying 60, 70 or 80? Yeah, the brand is paying and, and often you'll start to add users. Uh, and so that's, what's going to drive your price up. You can start as low as 19 bucks a month, but uh, you know, often people will start with about five users because they want to have multiple people be able to get in and see the data or uh, maybe again, use approvals or workflow or something like that. Got it. So three, four, five users, that's where you get your 60, 70, 80 buck ARPU on average. Yep. Okay. Interesting. So take me back to 2006, where was your head at that point? Did you just, you know, you know, quit your corporate job because you're frustrated, back against the wall, no money, had to make this work. What were you thinking? Yeah, so I'm in an interesting scenario where a, 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 an old business partner of mine and I, we had a software company, uh, what is ne- nearly 20 years ago now, and he actually started Formstack and uh, then started a second business in 2009. And I had helped him kind of raise money and was an early product user. And so I said, hey, I'll, in 2009, I said, I'll, I'll come in and run the business uh, for six months and find somebody to run it long term. And then I never left. So, uh, you know, the in the early days, it, it was all about uh, how do we just empower other people? I mean, here, here's the thing. You're, you're an entrepreneur. You know how to solve most of the problems that you're trying to solve. You just don't always have the technical capability to get it done. And so where we can give you software to get that done, because you don't really need to go pay a custom, you know, for custom development or something like that, where we can kind of give you those assets in, in your hands all of a sudden, you've got a power that you didn't have beforehand and, uh, you know, can kind of get the job done. So it from day one was about making people's lives easier in yep. some way. I understand the product. I want to dive more kind of into the growth and how you've gotten to where you've gotten. So just to be clear, though, in terms of looking at the company, if I looked at the cap table, would it be very clear you're a co-founder or were you added for like, you know, one or two percent equity as a CEO in charge in 09? Yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of uh, both had been an early investor and and then uh, kind of have grown equity over time. And so okay. our, our founder was, uh, you know, really controlling investor for a long time. But from day one, he gave me complete autonomy to go build the business that I felt like I needed to build, which, which, which was amazing. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of roughly how that uh, looks. That's great. And what have you scaled to today in terms of total customers using you? So we're about 16,000 customers. Oh, that's and, great. and those aren't like free and pay. Those are the actual paying customers. Yep, that's exactly right. So we get, you know, probably 4,000 people coming to try the product every month. And then, you know, some few hundred of those sign up. But, uh, yeah, I've grown to kind of 16,000. And there were about 100,000 kind of active users sitting on top of those paid accounts. Got it. So 16,000 logos, 100,000 kind of people inside of each of, the, of those logos together. Yep, that's right. And, and can I, I mean, can I multiply that times the $70 ARPU and you guys are north of a million a month at this point? Is that accurate? Yeah, that's a good uh, good way to think about okay. it. Okay. And I mean, what does this kind of space look like in terms of how have you guys, guys been growing year over year? So if you're out north of a million today, 12 months ago, were you at 500? Where were you? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've kind of been in the 30 to 40% growth range probably for the past few years. And okay. as you grow, you know, as you grow a business, one of the things that gets obviously more challenging is, I mean, realistically, the core and in, initial market uh, forms, let's say, it's just, it's not going to grow to a hundred million dollar business. Sure. And so we had to add elements like workflow and beginning to automate process. 
so that we can start to think about, oh, it makes sense for me to add 10 users or 1,000 users or 10,000 users because I need them to be a part of this process. Whereas in the beginning, I said, oh, I like my one marketing person needs to have access to Formstack to collect leads. And so, uh, and then we also have done an acquisition. We did an acquisition late last year uh, with a product called FastForms where they were really deeply embedded into the Salesforce app exchange and we're doing a really amazing job of collecting data in that uh, kind of ecosystem. But you start to see where you have to add other elements to the business to kind of keep growth rate uh, going. Yep. No, it's a really smart product decision, obviously, to drive expansion revenue. Give us a sense of that. I mean, how it sounds like if your price point starts at 19 bucks and your average is 70, you've done a great job growing seats and adding additional features, et cetera. But can you quantify that for us? Like maybe in terms of, you know, net revenue retention annually? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the best way I'd say it is if you rolled back three, four years, we were probably three, uh, you know, 3% gross churn on a, on a monthly basis. But then even net churn was not much better that maybe you're talking logos or revenue, uh, revenue churn. They probably look the same. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, one of the things as we've really gotten better at going up market and uh, expanding with customers, we've driven that kind of, we're, we're not at a, regular negative kind of churn rate, but yep. we are pretty flat. And so that means when we do go at least acquire customers and bring them on, we're being much more efficient about keeping them around uh, long term. But yeah, that's a hard problem to solve. It, uh, well, especially your price point too. SMBs are notorious for churn, but let me just rearticulate what I think I just heard you say, which is your expansion revenue annually about equals revenue you lose. So you're about flat, which is actually, yep. it sounds weird saying flat because usually you don't want to hear flat. That <laughs> means bad. But in this case, flat is actually good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. We've all heard of Drift and Intercom and these other messaging companies that are reaching multi-billion dollar valuations and raising hundreds of millions of dollars. And that's why customer engagement company Freshworks is jumping into the game with their new product, FreshChat, which helps engage website visitors, convert them into customers, and retain and support those customers to become happy, engaged users. Now, Freshworks is valued at $1.5 billion and has more than 150,000 businesses around the world using them. Their new product, FreshChat, differentiates from the market because one, they've got channels to create focused message threads and threading. Number two, it's self-service inside the messenger. Number three, they have a lower price point, mainly because they have revenue from other revenue streams. It allows them to get away with a cheaper price point. And number four, it's specifically built for marketing, sales, and support teams. If you want to try Fresh Chat today, you can do so at nathanlacka.com forward slash Fresh Chat to turn visitors into leads and customers into happy, engaged users. Again, sign up for a 30-day free trial. It's a beautiful thing. So easy to sign up. nathanlatka.com forward slash Fresh Chat. I'll see you there. Give me more, I mean, 16,000 customers, obviously a lot of customers. Walk me through when you joined in 09. How many customers existed when you joined and how did you drive the next thousand after you joined? Yeah, we were probably in the few thousand range at that time. And, you know, I'd say I'd look at three probably different phases. Uh, the first phase was just we got to get inbound presence. We built a great brand and people would come try the product or use it free and get some natural virality there. And that grew us those first, say, 5,000, maybe even six, seven, 8,000 customers. And over time, we realized there's actually a group of people out there who they can get the job done, but they need a little bit of handholding. And so we, so we actually put 
it was the beginning of sales for us. Um, we had not talked to a customer really ever until uh, in, in a kind of a sales oriented way until about four or five years ago. And so we started to interact with them and we saw, you know, you've actually got a lot of larger brands who come in and use the product and they need a lot more handholding or they need a contract or something like that. And so we just began to think about what does it take to serve that customer? And so we built something that for us at the time was kind of ugly. We didn't want to deal with SSO, something very enterprisey. We didn't like the word enterprise. We still don't love it. Sure. Uh, but started to entertain those conversations and, that's where we really started to see ARPU grow and go from, say, 20 bucks a month to 40, 50 bucks a month because we were getting some big deals. So, Chris, I, just, just to be clear, sorry. So, you use kind of powered by form stack, right, to get kind of natural viral coefficient stuff going to six, seven, eight thousand users. You then said, let's hire some salespeople to go land. Ex- well, you've already landed to expand in these accounts that are already using us. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'd say that. And then we married together with that a product. We had never had a product manager, and we started to introduce product management into the organization. I see. So started to, you know, forever it was me just saying, I like that. And yeah. I heard a customer say it, so let's go build that feature. And eventually it's like, oh, no, we need to go really understand customer problems and be build toward those. And what's team size today? We are about 115. And how many of those are salespeople or onboarding? Yeah, sales is about 20, and that grew dramatically last year. So we had had an inbound sales team who deal with the kind of 4,000 trailers a month uh, for, like I said, four or five years. And last year, we really started to see some traction in upmarket, specifically healthcare. We got our product HIPAA compliant, which kind of became this gate that helped us really have very different conversations with customers. Uh, so we started to hire some more upmarket salespeople, and that's where we've grown a lot lately and are seeing some really good success. And so now that you have an inside sales team, plus I assume you probably do some paid spend test. What is your fully weighted CAC, and what do you like to optimize your payback period for? Yeah, CAC is probably, I'd call it a 1000 bucks per kind of acquisition. Yep. Um, we love to run in the under 12 months range. We've always... We've always run a fairly conservative organization in terms of spend. So we've we took some capital back in 2008 and 2009, and then did not take capital again after that. We just how, ran much, how much have you raised so far total? I mean, that was like a million bucks or a little bit less than that back in 08 or 09. Okay, so, I mean, you can argue relative to your size. I mean, the fact that you've raised, there's a one-to-one ratio between your MRR and how much you've raised. It's pretty healthy. Most people don't have one-to-one ratio in terms of ARR to what they've raised. Um, great. Okay, good. So, so thousand dollar CAC, seventy dollar ARPU, or eighty dollar ARPU again. Payback there, on, you know, aiming for twelve months. And then this is a tricky question, and I'm always curious how CEOs use this number. Uh, so, how do you use lifetime value? Um, and and secondly, what do you think it is right now at a minimum? Yeah, it's a good question. For a long time, we tried the LTV to CAC ratio, and uh, I mean, I guess we think about lifetime value as using current churn rate to calculate it. And so you're always stating, obviously, you're assuming a bunch of people are going to stay around. Um, we, we actually went back to the 12-month payback because it, A, is simpler for people to understand. It's actually a little bit more conservative because you can get pretty crazy in terms of keeping a, say, three LTV to CAC uh, ratio. You, you could be spending a lot of money. And especially you know, if we go close, let's say uh, – hundred thousand dollar a year deal all of a sudden you're kind of making these leaps about oh i could spend 
$100,000 to acquire a customer, which those people come in from time to time, but it's not like we actually know how to turn that around and spend uh, that kind of money to acquire one customer. So we've, we've probably avoided actually using, we, we report on it every month. We don't actually use it to make many decisions these yeah. days. That's, that's usually what I hear. So what do you typically report? Like, are we talking like a 4000 3000 $2,000 LTV typically? Yeah, probably in the 4000 range. Yeah, yeah. It's always interesting. Like people want that number because they want the LTV to CAC ratio, but you're exactly right. And it just seems like for CEOs, payback period is so much more instrument, kind of instructional and useful. Yeah, Absolutely. And it just keeps you more grounded in, in terms of making smart decisions and, and using your own cash to run the business versus needing to always raise money. That's right. Uh, last few questions here. Team, where are you guys all based? Uh, so we're actually a pretty remote team. We started in the office years ago, but we opened the door to remote in 2012. And at this point, uh, on a Monday in Indianapolis, where our headquarters is, you might only see three, four people in the office. And even uh, even though we've got, say, 20 people in the city, but we're spread from as far west as California, as far east as Poland, Canada, down to Argentina. So we've got people all over. A lot of very exciting companies in India. you got Demand Jump doing very well. Their growth rate was incredible in 2017. A lot of other, lot of other folks there. There's something in the water, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, the, the exact target story helped uh, push a lot of things uh, forward. In the Were you part of his accelerator? Did you guys go through that? Uh, we didn't, we, okay. um, we did actually kind of raise capital from a local kind of angel fund that was going in those days, but, uh, nothing, nothing formal. It was just them, uh, you know, putting some capital in the business. Yeah. But I assume since your last raise was 0809, you're now running kind of at break even or cash flow positive. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Any plans to raise capital in the near, in the, you know, the next year? Um, I, no plans right now. I think we're, uh, we're, we're in good shape right now and, and looking to kind of gr- just keep growing the business as is and look for uh, potential acquisitions where, where it makes sense and where yep. we've got the cash to fund it. I was going to say, alternatively, if Google came to you and offered you a call at 4X ARR, so somewhere around 40, 50, 60 million, do you sell the company? I mean, how do you make that decision? Yeah, I think at this point, we're still trying to grow a really large enterprise. And I think we're trying to figure out how do we get to $100 million in revenue. And so, of course, we're always going to be entertaining, you know, an offer or something like that. But realistically, we want to see if we can build something pretty big and and, uh, long lasting. Makes good sense. Chris, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh, You know, good to great is is an easy win there. (laughs) Good. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, I have been reading a book called uh, Outsiders. It's about it, it, Warren Buffett would be one of many stories, but about uh, thinking about asset allocation and building a big business. I just finished that book. It's basically the top eight public CEOs in history in terms of yeah. stock returns. Capital Cities is in there. A lot of these great companies are in there. Yep. Teal, white, and black cover. Good one. Number uh, number three. Is there a favorite online tool you have for building your business? Um, I mean, we just for paying attention to the business, we use a tool called RJ metrics for dashboards and things like that. But that's, uh, that's just making sure we know what's going on and how to make smart decisions. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Oh, I get a solid eight hours. That's good. And what, what situation married single, you have kids, uh, married with uh, kind of teenagers. So yeah. how many, uh, two kids, yeah. two. Okay, that's good. And how old are you? Uh, I am 40, 40. Okay. Chris, last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Hmm. 20 year old self, I think, 
you know, take more opportunity to build your own vision for your life and not let someone else build it, not let, not look to somebody else and say, oh, I want to be like them. There's something inside of you that, uh, you know, in my worldview that, you know, God made us to, to be. And so there's a purpose in there. Go find out what that is and go drive toward it. Guys, there you have him, Chris. Own your own vision. Joined Formstack back in 2009 after one of his friends who created it in 2006 started seeing some traction. He joined for a six-month kind of part-time role to find a new CEO. Ended up never leaving. The company now has 16,000 customers paying on average 70, 80 bucks a month. So north of a million bucks per month in revenue. Zero percent net revenue churn annually. So expansion equals obviously lost revenue. Growing 30 to 40 percent year over year. Only a million bucks raised. So so I love that. Obviously, great ratio there. A team of 115 people uh, based in many many remote remote locations from you know India all the way to the West Coast, all the way back into the the Northeast as well. Super healthy economics as well. Thousand dollar TAC, 12 month payback period. Chris, we're rooting for you. Thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks so much.